I'm, I'm not sure exactly how old I was at the time, um, but somehow I got a hold of a lighter, and I was relatively young, you know, and so for whatever reason, I decided that it would be a good idea, you, you guys remember those old Hot Wheels tracks, right, like they were hard plastic, and you could put, like, I think we had a cheaper one. You just kind of hooked it to, like, a windowsill, and they went down, and my head maybe had a loop on it, stuff like that. You remember these, right? So I thought, summertime, I'm sure, I don't know, had nothing but time to kill. So I decided I would see if I could melt that. That seemed like a good idea. So I've got me some race car tracks. I've got a lighter, and I decide, okay, I'm going to be sneaky about this, right? So I go behind the couch, and I'm hanging out, and I, I'm trying to melt this hard plastic, which, by the way, is not a good plan, right? Okay, hard plastic, not going to melt with a lighter, really, anyway. So anyway, I go back there. I, I mess with it for a little while. Thankfully, the story does not end with the fire department coming to my home, okay, because that would have been worse. But uh, I think I, I charred it a little bit. I'm sure it got disformed in some way, shape, or form. So I have my fun, and then I, I leave everything behind the couch. Great plan, okay? And, and I go about my day. Well, later on that day, all of a sudden, I hear my mother, who's not happy, and she wants to know who was playing with fire. That's what she wants to know in her home, right? And of course, my response is, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. It wasn't me. And so my siblings, literally having no clue what she's talking about, because they didn't know I was up to this, are like, it wasn't us. And so I don't know what, if I was just expecting it just to kind of go away. I, I don't know what I was thinking. But uh, eventually, my mom, she's like, she's the sweetest lady. And, and this time, she was not having it. And so she's like, listen, nobody's eating lunch until I find out what happens. And now all of a sudden, I'm like, I am now responsible for my siblings being hungry, and I don't know how this is going to end, right? And so eventually I decide, well, of course, I'm going to have to be honest. And so I, I sulk into my mom's room, and I tell her the whole story. And, and as far as I remember, I really think that was the last time I lied to my mother. Because I was like, that's terrible. I never want to go through that again, right? Terrible. And, and I tell you that story this morning, of course, because we're continuing our Ten Commandments, story, uh, Ten Commandments series, and today we get to talk about lying, right? The Ninth Commandment on lying. So if you've got your Bibles handy, why don't you go ahead and open those up? We're going to start in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, if you don't have a Bible with you, there are some in the seat backs near you. If you don't have a Bible of your own, uh, you can take one of those home with you and keep it as your own. We just ask that you will use it that you would read it. My name is Nate Mausoff. I'm one of the elders here at FBC, and it is good to have you all here with us this morning. Uh, it was an honor to worship with you, um, really an honor to worship with you this morning, a powerful, powerful worship this morning, and, and so I'm, I'm just glad to be here. So we're continuing with the Ten Commandments series, as I said, number nine today on lying. We'll go back actually next week and do number eight. Our series got kind of mismatched a little bit, but we're finishing things up here in our series, and then as Joseph mentioned, heading on to a series on community, which is going to be awesome too. So make sure you're here for that in September. So let's get things started. 
So we start with the command. The commandment itself, Exodus chapter 20, it's in verse 16. You see it there. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Pretty simple. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. But as we read that, it starts to sound, I don't know, a little different, right? Maybe very kind of specific, and, and it's got a little bit of a feel to it. First of all, it feels like courtroomy, right? Bearing false witness gives us this idea of us being on uh, the stand and having to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So it, it's got that feel to it. And then it also says against your neighbor to where it's kind of a little more narrow there of like specifically against someone else. And so uh, I want to just, you know, I think you'll all agree with me that, that we don't want to get too specific, right? Like I think God's call for us is what? Don't lie, right? doesn't matter whether you're in your living room or on the stand in court. It doesn't matter whether it's about your neighbor or whether it's about yourself. Don't lie, right? I think we can all agree to that. And if I wanted to, I probably could just keep moving right from there. We'd all be fine with that. That is what we're asked to do. But, but I want to spend just a couple of minutes focused on some verses because I want you to understand the weight with which this topic is covered. I want you to understand that this is not the only place. And I want you to hear some of the words that are actually used to describe it. Okay, so first I want to just start real broad here. Uh, just show a couple verses about just the danger of the tongue. If you're familiar with the book of James at all, you know that James doesn't mess around about the stuff that comes out of our mouth, right? Like he just doesn't. He is very clear about it. You can start in James 1.26 where he tells us this, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. And then he goes on in chapter 3, maybe you know the part in chapter 3 where he goes and he explains it like this. He says, listen, the tongue is a small part of the body, very small part of the body, but yet it can have amazing effects on the body. He, he likens it to like a ship with a rudder, right? The rudder is this small piece of the ship, and yet the rudder has the ability to totally change the course of the ship. Or he says, like, think about it like this. A spark in the forest is so tiny, and yet it can set ablaze the entire forest. That's what our tongue is like. It has the ability to really do harm, is what he's saying. And so right away we see these verses that already say, hey, listen, you better watch your words. You might want to be careful about what you're saying. And then we're going to narrow down a little bit more. Let's get specifically into lying then. Proverbs 25, 18 says this, a man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a war club or a sword or a sharp arrow. Paul, speaking to the depravity of man in Romans chapter 3.13, says their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. Proverbs 12.22, lying lips. Listen, listen to these words. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But those who act faithfully are his delight. There's more. That's not it. Proverbs 19.5, a false witness will, go, will not go unpunished. And he who breathes out lies will not escape. And finally, Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, 
and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among other brothers. There's seven things, and two of them, two of them are talking about lying. And so I hope just with this quick summary of verses that you begin to see the weight of what it means when we choose to speak falsely. When we're not careful with our words and precise about what we're saying, it's a big deal. It's a very big deal to God. But the question is then, why? Why is it a big deal to God? Like, what is the problem? Well, the problem is, one of God's attributes, he's got many attributes, but one of God's attributes is God is truth, right? He is truth. Think back to the Old Testament. What was one of the ways that they described God when they had all these other false gods that were being worshipped? What did they describe God as? He is the one true God. Over and over again in the Old Testament, he's described as truth. Jesus proclaims it, right? I am the way the truth, and the life. And so that it is at the very essence of who God is. And so we must understand that if God is truth, that means that untruth is the very opposite of him. It's the very opposite of him. And so I want you just to think about in your life, like, are there attributes that you have that are really strong in you? And if that's the case... How do you handle the opposite of that? Like, how does that go for you? So I, I think about it like this. I tend to be a pretty organized person. Not all the time. Not all the time. But I tend to be a pretty organized person. And if you know, you know I probably a little bit about me. I teach high school. That's what I do uh, for a profession. I teach high school over in Bertram. And if you walked into my classroom and you looked at my desk, you'd realize very quickly that I'm an organized person. Because... Everything has its place, and everything stays in its place. Like, all of it, right? My phone here, and then my staplers, and my tape, they go right there. It's all fine. And then over here is my, like, attendance book. And right, I can tell you where everything goes. I remember my stepdad, he was a, a janitor at the school where I, I went to school when I was growing up. And I remember sometimes I would go in there with him, and he would say, like, certain teachers, like, don't touch their stuff. Like, literally, don't touch their stuff. Because they will know. I'm that guy now. Like, that's me. It, it's so funny because ki the kids know it, too. Because, like, I walk by my cupboard, and I can't help but, like, fix stuff. And so they'll come up to my desk, they'll ask me a question, and then they'll turn my stapler 90 degrees and walk away. <laughs> they do this stuff. Because they know, they just know. And so for me, like organization's my deal, so, okay, that means for me to, like, have a desk that's cluttered? Oh, no, no. Like, the heebie-jeebies, right? Like, really bothers me. It, it's the same for people who are um, musically talented, right? If people who are musically talented, just ask them to sing off-key. How's that going to go? Like, they can't even ask them to stand next to somebody who's singing off-key. Right? It's hard. That's why they keep me in the tech room. Because I'm long ways from anybody who has any musical ability and can sing. Right? So it's when we're really gifted in an area, to handle the opposite of that is, is really difficult. And so for God, who is truth, 
falsehood is a problem. It, it's a major problem for him. It's the very antithesis of lying. A lying is the very antithesis of him. It offends him greatly. So then the next question becomes, okay, well then if that's the case, where does lying come from? Then why? Why is lying a thing, right? So John 8, 44, we're going to answer. It's real simple. One verse. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. That answers it, right? It's pretty simple. It comes from Satan. He's described as the father of lies. And this gets to the very core of it all because Satan's greatest tool is probably lying. Right? How did he start things out? Adam and Eve, what's the first thing he says to Eve? She, she says, well, God told me, don't eat the fruit. I'll die. And he says, you can eat the fruit. You surely won't die. First thing he tells her. Right? And, and so I don't have a lot of time to really spend in this little area. But, but I want to just hit on it real quickly because we're going to spend more time on, like, our actions but, but we have to understand something, that since Satan is so effective, and since lying is one of his core things that he does, for some of us, it's really difficult, because maybe we have a lot of doubt in ourselves, our confidence isn't super high, and so that means that every time we make a mistake, we're kicking ourselves. Man, I can't believe I did that again. And the tough part is Satan's in the background going, I can't believe you did that again. You're useless. Or maybe on the other side, and this is what really gets me about Satan and makes me so angry, is he's so good because maybe it's not for you a confidence thing. Maybe it's actually the opposite. And maybe you're a little bit prideful. And, and you tend to want to do things on your own. And you've got Satan going, you've got this. You don't need God. Just keep going. Make it about you. And so I, I want to take just a few seconds this morning just to address the fact that we have got to be aware that Satan is constantly trying to lie to us. All the time. In everything that we do, we have to be aware that he is constantly trying to lie to us. It is a constant battle to focus on the truth of Scripture and to push out whatever agenda Satan is trying to use. And you need to be aware of that so you can combat it through God's power, through the Holy Spirit, through his word. Don't allow Satan to have that impact on you. So then, now the question becomes, all right, we understand why it's an issue for God, because he is truth. We understand where lying comes from. It comes from Satan. Okay, fine. So then, why do we choose lies, then? Why are we interested in being untruthful? Well, it starts with our heart, of course, right? It's full of evil. Luke chapter 6. Out of the abundance of the heart, our mouth speaks. So it comes from there. It's that sin nature that we're all born with. It leads to a broken heart, and that leads to spewing out stuff from our mouths. Much of it lies. 
But beyond that, our motivation for lying often comes from one of several areas. And this isn't a complete exhaustive list, but it'll kind of get us a little bit talking here. First of all, maybe it's to impress people, right? So, yeah, last year I made 350000 highest paid teacher in the world. <laughs> right? Or, or maybe it's for revenge, right? That person that that does something to you and you're like, hey, listen, you want to play that way? That's fine. Look what I can make up about you. Or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's for profit. Yeah, charitable giving on my tax form. Add a zero. Simple. Or maybe it's for convenience. This is a, happens all the time. You know, I would love to come and help you. I really would, but I am so busy. Like, I just have so much going on. And no, no intention ever helping. None. Maybe it's to escape punishment, right? No, mom, I didn't hit my sister. I would never do that. Or no, officer, I didn't realize it's 25 miles an hour all the way through Frankenmuth. Really? I thought I could go 40. And so I want you to just take a second. It's not a complete list. But which of those push you to be untruthful? Like seriously, look at that. Look, look with your eyes. Which of those push you to be untruthful? Let it hit you between the eyes. What's tough about this is that our society has just totally given up on this concept. We see lying from the very bottom to the very top of our society all the time. And it's just accepted. Nobody's held accountable. I saw a statistic when I was reading for this that 91% of Americans lie on a regular basis. 91%. And by the way, just a public service announcement. For you, you can do what you want, but I would just suggest that you would pay no attention to any political commercial from now until the election because they're all based on deceit. I don't care what side you're looking at. All we do is spin, 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 spin everything. And so it, it is a, a major issue for us. Look at Isaiah 59, though. I came across this. It's just so true. Justice is turned back, it says, and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public squares, and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. I think God saw this coming. He knows. And, and the church is not immune, right? Like, maybe, and I use that term very cautiously, maybe lying in the church is a little less pervasive. Or at least, probably slightly less severe. We try and lie in smaller ways. Because that way we don't get found out. I, I love, I've talked about this book before, and I just love the title of it. Jerry Bridges' book, Respectable Sins. Lying is a respectable sin. As if there's such a thing. We just accept it. Well, it's not that big of a deal. And so I want to spend some time this morning just really kind of hammering in on the implications of lying. Like, I want us to understand how 
us being untruthful really impacts other people in God's kingdom as a whole. And so I, I want to just spend a little bit of time there. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, you, you have a bulletin there. Um, there are some things we're going to start filling in some of those. And by the way, uh, if you want, you can go to the app, right? And you can fill this in digitally and then it'll send it to you, which is great. But that's not really what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about are the discussion questions that are on the app every single week. And I just have to tell you how I think this is a powerful tool for you. That every week you can go on there and you're looking for a devotional, boom, we provide it for you. Like, spend some time this week just looking at, reading some of these questions. Allowing the Holy Spirit to work on your heart from what we've discussed this morning. So those are available on the app. Uh, you can go in and look at them and read them over and, and allow the Holy Spirit to continue to work through that. So if you've got your, your thing, though, we're going to start filling this in. So the first implication. Our lies distort other people's view of God. Our lies distort other people's view of God. Now, I want to be careful, okay, because I, I understand how the Bible works that it is only God who saves, right? This is a true fact. It is only God who saves. So I want to be careful that we don't put too much weight on what we do. Because no matter how good of a witness we are for Christ, or no matter how bad of a witness we are for Christ, we cannot save anyone else, okay? But it does play into how this all works. So, so it still has an implication, but we alone don't hold the power, okay? So... But what I want you to understand is that other people see your actions, right? Other people see your actions. They pay attention to what you say and do. And assuming that they know you're a Christian, which if they don't, makes me wonder why other people don't know you're a Christian. But if they do know that you're a Christian, this means that every lie you tell makes them go, oh, okay, well, I guess truth isn't as big of a deal to God as I thought it was. Like, really? That's what you're putting out there. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but hypocrisy is a major problem for the church today. Because non-Christians see Christians, they watch what they do all throughout the week, and they go, I don't get it. I, I, just, I, don't, I see this at church, and then I see this out of church, and they don't match. And it makes people really struggle. It turns them off. It certainly goes beyond lying. It's not just lying. It's many other parts. But, but lying is a big one. And here's why. One of the most important things that we need to convey to people about God is that He can be trusted. That's crucial. That He is truth and that his words are truth, and that he is worthy of trust. That his promises aren't just empty words. And this is big today, because can people see God in front of them? Can they reach out and touch him? No. And so what do we require of them? We require of them faith. We want them to trust in something they can't see. Hebrews 11, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so when we are untruthful, it lowers people's trust. And when we lower people's trust level of God, their faith is shaken. Whatever piece of faith they have in them, it's shaken. 
and they question. And so our lies distort other people's view of God. Secondly, our lies lead to other lies. Our lies lead to other lies. You guys remember the old Lay slogan, right? You bet you can't eat just one, right? Potato chip thing. Same thing with lies. I bet you can't tell just one. Because we know that one leads to another. We know this. We tell our kids this. Like, you better be careful because you tell one lie and then pretty soon you're going to be telling another lie to cover up that one and pretty soon you're going to be telling another lie and then now you're down a road that you can't even walk back through. So it's not like we don't know because we don't want to damage our reputation, right? Maybe you heard the story this week. It's been crazy from the Olympics, right? And just a hunch, I don't know the whole story, but it just seems like it all started with maybe a situation that the swimmers, that they didn't really want to find out about the whole thing, right? So, so they go, they probably had too much to drink, they're at a gas station, they do some damage to some stuff. And if you've been to a Latin American country, you know that every gas station has an armed guard. I don't know why, that's just how it is. And so, of course, the guards come out and they say, hey, hang on, you've got to pay for this stuff. And so they eventually, they get some money out of them, they leave. And, but then the next day, and I, I don't know why, but they make up a story about being robbed. And then pretty soon that leads to a whole bunch of other lies until they're found out. And now it's like, wow, how, how, how did you get there? But that's how lying works. One lie leads to another. And thirdly, we're going to spend some time here. Thirdly, the other implication is that our lies hide our need for grace. Because to me, this is a big deal. Our lies hide our need for grace. I see lying as the opposite to the very core of Christianity. And here's why. Okay, if we understand what the gospel says, right, which the gospel is good news, and it says this, that in the very beginning, God created humans because he wanted to be with us. He wanted to have a relationship with us. The problem is that soon sin entered the world. And what sin did was it took us and God and it went like this, boom. Because he expects perfection, we're nowhere near it, and so we got to stay like this. And no matter how hard we try, we could try and try and try, and we might get a little better and a little better and a little better, but no matter what, we're not moving back over here. Our good deeds are like filthy rags. They will not get us there. But the good news is, Jesus came. He lived a perfect life, took on our sin so that we could be rescued, so that we can go like this. Not because of anything we've done, but because of what he's done. And that if we believe in him and we confess that he is our savior, we will be saved. And that eternal life begins that moment and lasts forever. That is the gospel. And so the problem with all of this is, the problem with all this lying thing is, that the whole thing is built upon our need for Jesus and our need for grace. The fact that none of us are perfect, right? I've said this before, but what is the one thing we all have in common? We all walk through those doors this morning, and what do we all have in common? 
We're sinners. Okay, that's the one that we, it doesn't matter where you're from, what, how old you are, nothing. We can say that. That's the one thing that we all have in common. And yet, what do we do our very best to hide? We try and hide our need for grace. And what's our number one tool for hiding that? Lying. How does that make any sense? What exactly are we trying to hide? We, we already know we're not perfect. We've all established that. That's easy. But the thing is, people who are broken and need God shouldn't see us as perfect. That, that facade that we like to put on. That's not helping them come to Christ. That's not helping them go, hey, I can, I can relate to that. Now, I'm not suggesting that we walk around constantly weeping about our imperfections, right? Confessing every shortcoming we have, right? Like, that's not going to work. Hi, my name's Jim. Yep, I just got done yelling at my kids. I kicked the dog, and I totally ignored my wife and her, you know, need for companionship. How are you? Okay, I'm not, I'm not going for that. Like, I'm not suggesting we just, like, walk out and everything is just in the open. I don't think that's going to help much. But I do get tired of this false image in the American church. I really do. 1 John 1.8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Okay, so I'm going to ask you this question. It's going to be easy. I promise I want you all to respond just out loud, okay? It's not going to be embarrassing, so don't feel like, oh, boy, this, here we go, okay? So I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to count to three, and you're going to answer, okay? So here's the question. So when you think about FBC and the communities that FBC serves, okay, kind of small region, when you think of FBC and the communities that FBC serves, I want you to tell me which community do you think is the place where image is the most important. Don't say anything yet. Which community that FBC serves do you think is the place where image is the most important? Or another way of saying it might be, which of FBC's communities is keeping up with the Joneses the most important? Right? Okay, everybody got the question? Ready? One, two, three. Frankenmuth. Yeah. And I'm not trying to dog on Frankenmuth. Like, I love this church. I enjoy this community. I got no issues with Frankenmuth. There's a lot of great things about Frankenmuth, right? High expectations. A little more affluent. Great. That's no problem. Those are not bad things until they become a reason for us to pretend like everything's okay. And so if, if this church is going to be centered right here in Frankenmuth, then one of the things that we have to do is guard against this. We have to be willing as people to walk into this place and admit, I'm broken. I don't have it all together. Even if my neighbor is going to look better than me, 
I can admit that I'm broken and I need help. Because when, when status or image becomes a priority, catch this, then truth becomes more gray. When status or image becomes important, then truth becomes more gray. Like we might round up things when we're talking about our income or our home value. Or we pretend that our marriage issue really isn't a thing. Things are great. Or we say, oh yeah, kids are good. Yep, they're all in college. When the third one hasn't been in college in a year and a half because he's taken a break. But we don't want to say that. Can't tell people that. You get the picture. But I want you to look at Paul. I want you to look at Paul and some of the things that he said. Philippians chapter 3. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect. That's how he starts it. Not that I've already obtained this or or that I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 7, he says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin, for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. And then he jumps down in verse 18. He says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Does this sound like a guy that's worried about his image? Is he trying to hide his true self? I don't think so. If you jump down to verse 24 of that same chapter 7, Paul says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's all about the gospel for Paul. It's all about the gospel for Paul. If being real and honest with other people will point them to how Jesus has saved me, then so be it. If being real and honest with people will point them to how Jesus has saved me, then so be it. Don't we want this for our church? Don't we want this for our communities? You know, Randy talked about it back when he did the second message in the series on idolatry. Right? He put on Facebook and he asked everybody, what today in America is the, the biggest idol? And the answer overwhelmingly was me. Each of us, we're our own idol. We're too consumed with us. And so the question is, Are we really willing to put our image ahead of the advancement of the gospel? Are we really willing to put how we look 
ahead of the advancement of the gospel. And if not, then it's going to take us being real and honest about other people about our sins. We're going to have to be real and honest with other people about our sins. If we want God to get the glory, we have to be willing to diminish our standing and show how he has rescued us. If we want God to get the glory, we have to be willing to diminish our standing and show how he has rescued us. Listen, church, I heard you 15 minutes ago or 20, whatever, I don't know, however long ago it was, crying out, I stand with arms high and heart surrendered in awe of the one who gave it all. I'll stand my soul, Lord, to you I surrender. All I have is yours. So if that's your cry, then you've got to be willing to do this. You've got to be willing to say, listen, I don't care. I don't care if I don't look as good. I'm willing to show people that I'm broken, and the only way I'm fixed is through Christ Jesus, my Lord. You have to be willing. So I'm going to lead by example, right? Lead by example. I've got a confession to make to you all. I'm not perfect. Sometimes I let my pride get in the way. Sometimes I let my emotions get the better of me, and I lose my temper. Way too often, way too often, I am not even close to the standard that God has given me to, for my wife of how Christ loved and sacrificed for the church. Way too often. But most importantly... Far, far too often, I put other things ahead of God. And I tell you this not because I want you to feel bad for me, but because, praise be to God. Despite all those things, he loves me the same. Despite the fact that I can't get it together, he sent his son just to fix all those things for me. And I'm redeemed. Because I have trusted in him. Because I believe that Christ died on the cross. And I've accepted him as my savior. I am restored. Skip Ryan says, All the merit of Christ, who perfectly kept the law, perfectly obeyed the truth, is given to you. You gave him all the filthy rags of your lives. He who never lied hung on the cross as a liar. When God looks at you and me, he sees the perfect righteousness of Christ's truth-keeping. You know, the commandment, I think it's funny. The commandment says what? Do not bear false witness. And then Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, he says to his disciples and to all of us, and you will be my witnesses. Isn't it interesting, the same terminology that's used there? And so as we wrap up this morning, I want to challenge each of you to evaluate in what ways are you being a false witness for Christ? 
In what ways are you being a false witness for Christ? We're called to not be false witnesses. Maybe it's in the form of gossip. That's one of the ways that we lie. We take things that we're not really sure if they're true. Even if they are, we probably shouldn't be sharing them. We just can't help but tell people. Maybe it's rumor. Maybe the issue for you is exaggeration. Maybe when some of your favorite words are always and never. Or maybe you, you like to tell people, oh yeah, I'll, I'll get to that. Yeah, 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 oh, I'll have that done by Thursday. You got no chance of getting it done by Thursday. Maybe it's just the little white lies. But whatever it is, I challenge you to stop being a false witness for Christ. To be willing to live out your life in a way that is showing the truth of who you are, a sinner saved by grace. So that people might see that and go, wow, I can relate to that. I do get that. And we do this not because we want to jump through a bunch of hoops, right? That's not what the law is about. But we do it because we have this relationship with our creator. And all we want to do is bring him honor and glory. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you for this opportunity to learn from your word. And Father, I I really believe, Lord, that You see this as a big deal. That we're far too content in the American church, we're far too content to to pretend like things are good when the whole point is to show the fact that we need you and we need your son. And so I just pray, Father, that you will take it and use it as you see fit. Lord, this is all about you. It's about your honor. It's about your glory. And so I, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just invade us now in a mighty way that it would continue to pound at our hearts, Father, that we would feel the weight of your word so that we might see change. And we do that because we want to bring you honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.